I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own after our brief week-long hiatus. Um, uh, We are now on episode 14. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined once again by my co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. Welcome back. Thank you. And Maggie Wiggin. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. All right. So um, it is now the all-star break. So I went on break last week, and this week the players are on break, except for the Mets all-stars. But... It was still a somewhat eventful week in Mets land while I was gone. Every time I leave the Mets, there's something really dysfunctional. So maybe I need to stop leaving. Um, yeah, just stay here because it all goes, it falls apart really bad when you leave. So this iteration of Mets dysfunction, um, after, so the Mets played a weekend series against the Phillies, um, and on Friday night, they lost in very 2019 Mets fashion, where the game was tied, DeGrom threw a gem, uh, the game was tied going into the ninth, and the bullpen blew it again, um, as they have done many times, and this time it was Edwin Diaz and Jerry's Familia combined to give up five runs four of which were charged to Diaz um, and the game got completely away after the game apparently there was a team meeting in which Brody Van Wagenen reportedly threw a chair (laughs) well can I just I just want to say that it's weird to me that 
every time news leaks about Brody Van Wagen and Jacob deGrom has been involved, like the first time it was the texting, he was concerned Jake was hurt and told Mickey to take him out of the game. And now the second time he was mad the bullpen blew Jake's start and threw a chair. So he's still, to me, acting like his agent and not a GM, which is kind of concerning. Yeah. It is. Well, he's also just not acting like a professional. <laughs> well, like that, that too. <laughs> I mean, there's like he's just. It's not to say that like everyone in his position needs to adhere closely to the long expected behavioral guidelines of what the role entails, but he seems to just be ignoring them completely and sort of just, I don't know, like flapping about just being super mad all the time and it's not a great look yeah well i guess that yeah there's stress involved but you can't be throwing chairs around either and you know it getting out too it just it makes the organization look bad like the dysfunction clearly is it just seems like nobody knows what they're doing and it's just reaching ahead and it it's just a bad look for everyone and it's funny because I feel like at the beginning of the season um, and even prior to that when Mickey Callaway was hired, when both of these men were hired at the respective times that they were hired, um, Mickey Callaway slowly acquired a reputation of being this like, you know, dispassionate sort of manager like oh he never gets thrown out of games he never like he's always just so even keeled and he never shows any passion he never lights a fire under the team and then like he does this tirade against the media and then Brody Van Wagenen when he was hired everyone was like "Ooh, look what a cool customer this guy is like so calm cool and collected and now he's throwing chairs across the room so losing changes a lot and it's kind of like they're, they're both clearly passionate guys but this isn't what people mean when they talk about showing passion. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what Mickey's excuse was. That, well, we're just passionate guys who care. But no, that's not what passion is. Cursing out reporters is not passion. Yeah, it's, you know what, it, I mean, what it is, and I know, like, this is a phrase that not a lot, that people don't always like to hear, but this is a really good example of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. where you, you know, Instead of being able to to talk out the feelings, it just turns into this like violent outburst, which doesn't actually help anybody. Nobody nobody pitches better because Brody threw a chair in a meeting. Like that's not a constructive thing. And it all and you know and, and there's there's been a lot of toxic masculinity throughout the organization for a long time. This idea that you know you can't you can't take the time to heal from an injury. You just got to rub some dirt on it and get back out there. That's part of the same mindset of like, there's only one way to be a real man. And that is to be angry and, you know, physical all the time and not have any, not show any weakness. And that's, it's a really, it's a toxic idea and it, it's can see it kind of pervading the organization in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's okay to be passionate. Like, we want, you know, we want our players and our management and people involved with the Mets to be passionate. But this isn't the right way to channel that. 
Like, you know, it's okay to be frustrated that the team isn't playing well. I think all of us are frustrated that the team isn't playing well. But that's not the way that you display that frustration. You're you're misdirecting it at the wrong people. It's not to, meant to be directed at the media that are just trying to do their jobs. It's not meant to be directed at the players who are mostly trying their best every single day. It's not their fault. You constructed this team, Brody. Like, this yeah. is mostly on you. Like, I know that, like, the will ponds there is a constraint you know given our ownership and a lot of this falls on them um I'm not making any bones about that but you know Brody you're the one that made this team you have to own up to it you can't throw chairs across the room Mickey Calloway can only do so much and he he yelled at Calloway and told him to quote go conduct your fucking press conference which you know (laughs) Mickey Calloway then went and did that to his credit and didn't display anything was wrong but, like, these aren't the and right the, people to, like, take your anger out on. Well, yeah, and then the press even kept asking for, like, Brody's side of it, or they kept asking for a press conference, and he refused to talk. So now he's kind of adopting the code of silence that the Wilpons are adopting, which, you know, leads to speculation. And, you know, now he's going to speak on Friday. But, well, the Friday is going to be all the good stuff. Like, oh, Pete Alonso won the home run derby. We had three all-stars. Like, he's probably hoping it'll all blow over by then. And it probably could. It probably will. (laughs) And, like, keeping on the theme of toxic masculinity not only like obviously the Mets are a highly dysfunctional organization in which this is rampant and it's a problem from top to bottom but it's it's pervasive throughout the sport as well and we saw it on display in the form of Jake Arrieta's post-game interview when after the Mets had a very heated game with the Phillies and Todd Frazier is not completely blameless here either in this whole toxic masculinity conversation I mean I think he reacted the more level-headed of the two but you know Jake Arrieta hit Todd Frazier with a pitch and Todd Frazier's been hit with a lot of pitches against the Phillies this season he's just kind of fed up with it there was no indication that it was on purpose but he's just he was pissed off and fed up with it so he voiced his anger toward Arietta and there was you know some words were exchanged benches kind of stood on the top steps but did not empty it was a heated exchange and then that he hit another batter with a pitch right after benches were warned were warned and he was not ejected from the game somehow which it's like know, why do you even warn the yeah, benches? yeah what's the like, point of what's... that then it's just a performative gesture that doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah and that's when mickey got thrown out exactly then mickey Calloway got thrown out kind of understandably so because it's like why are you warning the benches if you're not going to actually eject the player when he hits another batter whether it's on purpose or not that doesn't matter you kind of have to eject him from the game then. Um, it ended up working out to the Mets' benefit because uh, Arietta was all over the place that inning and ended up giving up a base-clearing double to Tomas Nito, which ultimately won the game. But after the game, Jake Arietta said <laughs> about Todd Frazier that he would put a dent in his skull, which, how was he not fined by yeah, Major League yeah, Baseball for like saying a, that shit? And talk that's about a like, just threat. a disproportionate reaction. And, like, and I think, you know... Tying it back to the larger theme of toxic masculinity, it came out a little later that that Arietta uh, may be injured, and so you put it in the context. Like, here's a guy who's incredibly frustrated, but how is it okay that the way he expresses his frustration is by like threatening serious physical harm to a colleague? Like, how is that? Like, that is 
it's so normal and reasonable to be upset and like honestly scared because any pitcher with an injury, you know, the career is always is always at the forefront of the mind. Ariad is not getting any younger. Like feel those feelings. Like have that have that like let those feelings be in you and don't turn it into this like crush kill destroy attitude that really does get people hurt yeah yeah I'm... and it's the way he said it too he was so calm like nonchalant like stroking you know, his beard yes. as he says really creepy honestly yes it was it was scary like he 100 percent means this yeah, it was yeah, one of those, it wasn't even one of those where he was like, it, it was almost creepier because he didn't really raise his voice. Yeah. It's not like he was like yelling into the mic like, I'm going to put a dent in his skull, like, like super <laughs> like macho screaming it, the way they do in the game when they're like going Angry. face to face like with Todd each Frazier. other. Yeah, it was like very calm, just he can come see me, I'll put a dent in his skull, like straight face, like stroking his beard as he said it. Like, I like I have the image of like, <laughs> like a dude sitting behind a desk stroking a cat, like one of those like evil mafia dudes. Like it like was very, very much that vibe. And I was like, well, that's like uncalled for and also extremely unsettling. <laughs> like what? Um, so yeah, that happened. And I, like Maggie said, I am deeply, deeply sympathetic toward players who are dealing with pain and injury and are frustrated that they can't execute on the field and frustrated that this may affect the trajectory of their career. But that's not Todd Frazier's fault that you are experiencing this. Again, this is completely misdirected frustration. What did that chair ever do to Brody? (laughs) Right. (laughs) What'd the chair do to you, Brody? Uh, Linda, you had the best tweet, in my opinion, (laughs) in the aftermath of that. You were like, the chair is listed as (laughs) day-to-day. Like a broken right for like front right foot. (laughs) (laughs) The Mets will make the chair play through it. (laughs) Rub some dirt on it, chair. Get back out there. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be available to pinch it so that they can't backdate the IL stint. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, other than the like organizational dysfunction, which is a separate thing, the Mets have just continued to Mets on the field. Like, not much has changed. They. You know, they continue to fall deeper and deeper into the abyss, and it's pretty much, you know, they're out of it now. Like, the season's essentially over. Um, they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're, you know, practically eliminated. Um, and they're still talking about, like, waiting and see what happens, but, like, they could win 10 in a row, and unless the Braves, like, even if the Braves then lose 10 in a row, they're still they're still behind like it's right there's no realistic scenario where they even are like kind of in it anymore like at this point in 2015 they were at 500 right exactly like people keep bringing up 2015 as like a nobody thought that team would do anything true but they were that team was still in a much better position going into this date than this team is going into if this team had started 11 and 1 we might be talking they right. didn't. Sure, because they no. would be around 500 right now if they had done that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> you know, there's nothing that, like, the, their season is over. They are theoretically closer in the wild card than they are in the division. But, like, it's at the point where they're, like, they have to jump so many teams that it's just impractical to think that there's any chance. There's only a few teams below them at this point. There's, there's only... one team below oh, them. Oh, there's only it's one the now. Yes. Yeah. 
Did the Giants pass them? They sure did. Oh, yeah, they sure did. Cool. Every team did, except for the Marlins. Marlins. Cool. The Mets have the second worst record in the National League. Awesome. That they do. Yep. Great. See what you missed. It's good. But Um, Pete. But Pete is so great. But you guys, Pete. (laughs) We adore you, Pete. (laughs) I need to share share a short vignette about my experience yesterday. (laughs) I tweeted about this. But for those of you who do not have Twitter and did not see my Twitter, like, roller coaster of emotions yesterday, um, whoo, it was a day. So yesterday was the day I traveled back from my vacation in Cape Cod to Baltimore. Um, I was with my parents. That is a hike. It is. is. It is. I was with my parents. So like my parents live in New Jersey. It's not quite the halfway point, but it's like a stopping point on the way back. So like my parents, I went in the car with my parents um, from Massachusetts to um, New Jersey. We got up early in the morning. We arrived in New Jersey around, you know, like 3 p.m. or something like that. 2 or 3 p.m. I had some late lunch. Um, we had eaten breakfast before we left. I had some late lunch. You know, we had spent five hours in the car or whatever. And then I was like, I'll, I'll stop at home for a little bit, relax, eat some late lunch, and then get back on the road, head to Baltimore. Usually the drive from New Jersey to Baltimore is about three hours. So I was like, I will leave around five o'clock so that I will get home at eight o'clock um, to watch the home run derby to watch Pete Alonso because I desperately wanted to. Um And usually I don't, um, even though I was leaving at five o'clock on a Monday, like the early part of my drive in New Jersey is on not so well-traveled roads. So I was like not super worried about rush hour traffic. I would maybe hit a little bit of it. But by the time I got to the heavy rush hour in Philadelphia, I would be like past rush hour. Like it would be too late. So I was like, okay, this drive should be fine. I get to the 295 extension of 95 between like, like near the New Jersey, Pennsylvania border. That road is apparently under construction and three lanes go down to one. And I was in peak rush hour. So I like, like I put, I pulled up. Usually I don't have like Google maps up when I'm doing this drive because I do it all the time. So I don't need it. But like I pulled up Google maps, like I was at a dead stop and I was like, shit, this is gonna, you know, impact my ability to watch the home run derby. I pulled up Google maps to see like how long of a delay it was. And it said half an hour. And I was like, okay, like that's not the worst. I had already hit a little bit of tail end rush hour New Jersey traffic before that. So I was like 45 minutes delayed at this point. I was like, it won't be so bad. Like I'll catch the end. But it was Google Maps lied. It was like over an hour delay. Like I just like there there were points where I had the car in park. Like, I was just, like, on my phone, car in park, feet up on the dash, like, you were moving. So I was like, crap, crap, crap. And so I, like, (laughs) I, like, I have the, one of those things that you can clip, like, the, the phone docks that you can clip to your, like, vents on your, um, on your car so you can, like, prop your phone up when you're using maps or whatever. So I was like, I can stream the Home Run Derby. So I like downloaded the ESPN app while I'm sitting in traffic. I downloaded the ESPN app and like pulled up the streaming Home Run Derby. I'm like, at least I'll be able to like listen to the audio and like take a quick glance every now and then. Um, so I like pull up the home run derby. I get like extremely uneven, like internet connection streaming. And like, I managed to like listen to it enough. And so I'm like driving, driving, driving. I finally get out of the traffic. I'm like, oh my God, I, I know that Pete's advancing. I can hear it. I can hear it. Oh my God. I get so excited. I'm like, I get back to Baltimore at 10 15 at night. Which so oh. I had spent over five hours in the car at that point, and ten, over Oy. ten hours in total that day. Oh and my so, god! 
God. And at, in my neighborhood, I have street parking. Like, I don't have a dedicated parking spot. And it's 10, 15 p.m. on a Monday night. So I drove around for another, like, 15 or 20 minutes just to find a parking spot. So I, like, park in the car. As I park in the car, Pete advances to the final. And so I, like, grab all my shit, and I'm, like, parked, like, three blocks away at least from my house. So I had to park far away. I grab all my shit. I run as fast as I can, like, arm load full of stuff from my car from vacation. I run down the street. I must have looked like a freaking mad woman. I run. <laughs> I sprint down the street. I open the door. I get in just in time to see Pete's final round. And Aww, I just, like, yay. it was, like, such a cathartic. I just, like, screamed. Ending. And I was like, he did <laughs> and the dog was like barking around me like what are you talking about why are you losing your shit and it was just it was just a glorious glorious moment i was so happy i'm so happy well, for big p even on slack we're like where's allison did she make it home i made it just in time <laughs> we were all very worried <laughs> i made it just in time it was so good and you know good what job screw the haters there are uh-huh. online haters I don't like any of you. <laughs> no. Like, deal with it. It's not a great look. Like. No. It's it's embarrassing. Yeah. There are. There's... I mean, to the people who are like, he didn't really win. I mean, he did win. Yeah. He has the trophy. That's the point. The, yeah. the, the game has rules. By the rules, he won the game. That's how it goes. And, like, I don't know, like. Okay. And he didn't use up all his time either. In a same, none none of the rounds he needed all that all the time. So he could have his had picture was terrible. Was awful. Yeah, there are several so there are several counter arguments to completely dismantle the haters. One is that all of you people who are talking about how mad you are that Pete didn't deserve to win and Vlad Guerrero had the best performance he deserved to win you are the same exact people bitching about Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s eight home runs in the home run derby in the first place don't pretend you weren't because I saw and those Vlad takes was amazing and yeah. I'm so glad I got to see it it was an all-around incredible show and he should be so proud and I'm so glad that I got to see it so you are wrong that two times absolutely <laughs> That absolutely is legit. No one is saying that Vlad wasn't fantastic. Yep. And like, and like what people who were complaining about Vlad being in there in the first place fail to understand is that this is, this isn't simply a people, everyone who has the most home runs so far this season should be the people that are in it. It's not about, it's not even about in-game power for the most part. It's about who takes the best batting practice, who has mm-hmm. the best raw power. And if you have seen, uh, if you have either witnessed with your own eyeballs Vlad Guerrero Jr. take batting practice or have read reports from people who have witnessed Vlad Guerrero Jr. take batting practice with their eyeballs, you know that he every bit belonged in this derby and he showed you exactly why last night. Like, but can I also just say that they didn't reseed after Christian Yelich? Yeah, which was so a bad Pete should have been the one seed, yeah. so he would have faced Vlad Guerrero in the in the first round. The so first thank you round. for sorry, Matt Chapman. Yeah, sorry, Chappy. Yeah, sorry, Chappy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's one that's one poor argument. You are the same people that were complaining before. Don't pretend you weren't. Another failed argument is that this isn't like the format isn't about uh, it's not about who hit the most home runs total. That's just not how the like how do you not understand how brackets work? Like, ugh. 
And, and you he know didn't what, use all they his could time. Do it. They could do it without brackets and it would be boring. It would be so boring. They did do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's just not an exciting, it's not an exciting format. That's why they changed it. There's always trade-offs in the format of any competition. And in this case, there is, you know, some platonic ideal of fairness versus interest. What and makes the most exciting event? Yeah. And it's an exhibition, so go with the interest. It's not a difficult it's not a difficult choice to make. It's yeah, and it's like and just you don't get like all the people who like are whining about how Vlad put forth the best performance. He put forth an extremely exciting performance in part because he had that matchup with Jock Peterson in the semifinal, which would not have happened if you had a straight, like, everyone just hits for five minutes, see who can hit the most and who can hit the most wins. Then you don't even get that intrigue in the semifinal that you were all super excited about. And I was And that semifinal was amazing. It was great. So I don't want to, like, spoil or alert on my walk-off win for the week, but, like, that was some of the most fun I've had related to baseball in ages because it was just so thrilling and never-ending. And, like, no, in a quote unquote fair format that would not have happened so right so, so you there. can't have your cake and eat it too people shut it haters and also shut people haters. forget josh hamilton didn't win either everybody talks about josh hamilton oh he had this great round which it was it was amazing the crowd was into it everybody loved josh hamilton he didn't win but does that take away from josh hamilton's performance no right you can exactly. appreciate great performances and also acknowledge the correct winner yeah, exactly. You can you can acknowledge how great Vlad Guerrero Jr. was without tearing down Pete Alonso and saying he didn't deserve it. That's nonsense. And like not only did Pete not use all of his time, like like you'd think I, I said this recently just I was having a conversation with uh with someone on Twitter about this. You'd think people who watch baseball all the time would understand the concept of the person that goes second doesn't have to use, like, they just have to win by one. The team that walks it off in the bottom of the ninth doesn't have to score any more one- runs after that because they've won. The team mm-hmm. that w- the team that scores the most runs in the World Series doesn't always win the World Series. If you if you win two of the games in the World Series and you win them thirteen to two and fifteen to two, but you lose the other you lose the other four games four to three. Guess what? You lost the World Series even though you scored the most runs. It doesn't like it's. It, do you want to change the World Series to just add up the runs over the course of the whole series and the the team that scores the most runs wins? Because we could do that. Sounds that like a nerd too. thing to me. Sounds <laughs> like a nerd thing. Like just saying that's not the way these competitions work. If you want a more like purely fair competition, we could do, we could do that, but it wouldn't be as fun, and everyone would complain about it. <laughs> oh, totally. So, so can we just say that like. Pete had the more like he he I think if you see his spray chart he oh, kind of so went pretty like, it was gorgeous but like he, I feel like he batted like he would in a game kind of like even Jeff McNeil said I told him take it up oh, the middle you, it'll go out because, because he his pitcher was yeah. his pitcher, oh my god I know it's yeah. his cousin I, I'm I like I'm sorry Pete's cousin he almost got hit by a pitch it was just that's not a it's, don't have a family member pitch no. to you in the derby don't I mean, do it nice. 
but they're not a professional. Like, they had legit, like, professional BP guys throwing to them. Black Guerrero and Jock Peterson had professionals throwing to them, and they were perfect. Made a huge difference. And it showed. (laughs) Made a huge difference, because a huge part of it, and the announcers were saying this, and they were absolutely correct. A huge part of the home run derby is getting is the the BP pitcher throwing it to the same spot over and over and over yeah. and over. That's exactly how you go on a run. And I feel like like Pete like obviously he did he did good enough to win. He did great. He hit many homers, but he never like you watched Vlad and he would go on runs where he was hitting like five in a row out of the park, five in a row, just like bam, 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 which is how yeah, he was getting he could- the. 29 in one round type totals because Pete's pitcher was not doing that for him because he was not throwing it in the same spot over and over so Pete wasn't able to like repeat the exact same swing over and over and over and just hit a bunch in a row okay I found this tweet by Tim Finnegan who sometimes writes for us and I think he perfectly summarizes it Big Pete winning the derby despite Cousin Morgan consistently changing eye levels painting the corners and throwing (laughs) a few brushback pitches back was impressive <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly that that pretty much sums it up yeah it's even more impressive that he was able to and they were saying this about um Acuna Jr. as well he was able to use all fields which makes yeah. it almost even more impressive like obviously Vlad had in the whole tournament the most impressive like raw power of anyone because he could sell out on every swing yeah he knew where the ball was gonna be sound on it was amazing that sound was so pretty on on vlad's they were awesome it was just like and you could hear the whiff of the bat too like how fast it was going his wrists just moved so fast holy shit that bat speed man unbelievable so he's just like pulling everything he's just like Foom crack, foom crack. Yeah, exactly. So like he displayed the most impressive, just like raw power of everyone, indisputably because his pitcher was good and obviously he has the talent. But you know Acuna Jr. and and Pete Alonso both were able to go to all fields and just hit the ball where it was pitched, kind of like you would in an actual game. And I think that that's a yeah. that's impressive in its own right as well. And poor Acuna was gassed, too. I think oh, he gave so up tired. like two seconds left. He was like, nope, I'm done. Can't do it. Can't do <laughs> you it. can't do this. Yeah, well, it takes a lot of endurance. Like, his advice was, yeah, they said conserve your energy. He said he didn't take any practice swings in between. And then they said take breaks, make sure you drink a lot of electrolytes. So I think, yeah, him concerning conserving his energy really did give him the advantage. I know it wasn't Vlad's fault. He had to take extra rounds, but... Well, but the person who impressed me most in, in that regard was definitely Jock Peterson, because yeah. halfway through that first, the, the kind of main block of that second round, he was already looking gassed. He yeah. was running on fumes, but he just kept running he and running. Through. And yeah. he, he kept like yeah. surprising even himself. Like I feel like in the Vlad versus Pete debate that this has sparked, like Jock was amazing. And I had so much fun watching him because he kept like, he didn't have those like, those ones where the sound just knocks you off your seat. But he just kept hitting them, and they were just flying. They would just keep going and going and going. You're like, I, I can't believe that's out. And that was that was super fun. And watching, I felt very like it felt very very well represented on the field because he seemed exhausted the entire time. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I too am exhausted. 
Yeah. Well, even he even said in his interview after he was eliminated, he was like, I'm kind of glad he won because I'm done. I'm exhausted. Yeah, he was just like, (laughs) I feel bad that he has to keep swinging. Yep. So home run derby, super fun. We're so proud of Pete Alonzo. We're Yay, so happy Pete. that our McNeil, big yeah, McNeil beefy being son, supportive. McNeil's the best hype man of all time. Holy shit! So adorable. I love them. We love our players. It's a shame. It's a shame the Mets are so bad because our players are so awesome. <laughs> it really speaks to just how bad the rest of the Mets are that mm-hmm. they have three no doubter all stars and a lot of other like solid young talent and they are awful yep. like legit just straight up garbage Bad. the Mets. Woo! <laughs> sorry was does that count as negative probably probably it's okay yeah. we're we're really happy about pete though that's we we're are. ending the segment on a positive note we're super happy about pete um so when we get back um we will do a seventh inning stretch where we answer some of your emails so stay tuned for that I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. So it has been a while since we have done uh, a mailbag segment. So we are now doing a seventh inning stretch. Um, apologies for the backlog on these. I took that week off and it's just been a couple weeks since we've uh, been And we really to... don't like you guys anyway. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been a couple weeks since we've been able to fit it just kind of into the show. Because we like to try to put it in shows where we have like less content like other content um because you know so it's the all-star break so we figured it's a nice time to answer some emails um so first we'll start off with uh james and i'm just gonna read this email verbatim because he had some extremely nice words for for the pod and i'm just so incredibly humbled by this email because it blew me away Uh, i actually almost cried when i read it it's just so great um Just wanted to thank you guys for all that you do. As a 24-year-old man, I've spent the last few years coming to terms with and trying to deprogram a deep sense of internalized misogyny that has existed in complete opposition to my mind and heart. Society is wild, and I imagine a lot of men experience this sort of horror at themselves, and it's been hard work, but I'm happy to say that listening to a pod of their own every week and exposing myself to your voices is a helpful part of getting that shit out of my system. I've only been into baseball for a few years and made the highly deranged decision to be a Mets fan from the get-go y'all have been a critical part of me learning how to understand among many other things why that was a very very poor choice but an incredible (laughs) one as well thank you so much james that is so nice really lovely yeah that's an amazing email it made my heart so happy to read that again we talk about this a lot but it's just incredibly validating when we hear from people who 
like completely reaffirm why we started this podcast in the first place like things yeah. like this remind me exactly why we started this podcast in the first place it makes me so well, happy. it's a good reminder that if you want to be if you want to learn new things if you want to try to be a better person in whatever way that looks for you you can do it anywhere like there's so many different people and media sources and activities they're, they're million different ways to just learn new things about people who are different from you like that is and and it's great to have this illustrated of just what that might look like yeah. so yeah yeah thank you james and, yeah and even to know that we've like you know reached one person that's that's enough for me i mean i hope we're reaching more people but i'm glad you know at least somebody was able to maybe learn and change from from our show which is great yeah it's 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 about the broader purpose because it's not just about although these things are important it's not just about raising awareness about each of the issues we talk about every week individually that work is super important but it's also just about you know normalizing different voices in the sports podcasting space in the sports space in general like you know just exposing people to different points of view um, and it makes me really happy that uh, we've been able to achieve that for at least one person. Um, so speaking of different voices, um, I want to share another email from Jay Wu, who um, talked about how one of his favorite episodes that we've done was the online harassment episode. And it reminded him a lot of experiences that he's had um, as an immigrant from East Asia. Um, so he goes on to say that during the 2017 World Series, uh, when Yuli Gurriel made those uh, racial gestures against you, Darvish, if all of you recall, Yuli Gurriel um, kind of stretched his eyes to make it, you know, a gesture at you, Darvish, and it was, you know, seen as extremely racially insensitive for obvious reasons. Um, so Jay Wu tweeted about this, and in the comments of his tweet, there were people making other racially inappropriate comments after seeing his profile picture. He says, then they assumed where I was from and harassed me uh, with being against that country. I wasn't even from that country, though. So they made an assumption about his heritage, about which country he was from, and he wasn't even from the country they were talking about. Even though it was too harsh, I ended up deleting my tweet to, to protect his safety. Um, in addition, since then, I try not to tweet uh, related to racial things. So this goes back to our theme from the online harassment episode where this is actually changing people's behaviors. So he had the courage to, to speak out about this um, as an Asian person, and he had to delete his tweet because people were being jerks to him in the comments, and then he doesn't really tweet about this stuff anymore. So that's an important voice that's now lost because people are being jerks just don't be an asshole again very simple um so he goes on to say um that like the current environment politically specifically related to immigration policy has affected him personally and strict immigration policies has made um his company stop his work visa process and to he was unable to get two job uh, two jobs because of it um, so he shared his frustration about that on social media, not his Twitter, but his more personal social medias like Facebook. Um, and he said that he got harassing comments even from his Facebook friends. And he was super taken aback by that because these weren't just strangers now. These were people who he was presumably friends with in real life making these insensitive comments. Some of them even commented, go back to your country. Um, you know, so it, these are things that you know, it's unfortunate. And he, he brought up the same thing that we brought up in the show saying like, 
these are never things that you would say to someone's face. This is all like the things that online world, the online world has wrought. Um, people are super, super brave behind their keyboard and they say really, really insensitive things that you would never say to a person's face. Um, so Jaywoo, we're sorry that you've had to deal with that, first of all. And second of all, we really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, and, you know, we hope that <laughs> in the future people are kinder. Um, so I also want to share an email from Steve McGowan. Um, he wrote to us also in response to the online harassment episode, um, and I'm going to read a part of the email. He said in part, during my time as a professional educator in a university environment, I had to confront a number of students about harassing language they were using, referring to one of my female coworkers. And it was a real wake-up call to me about the difference between being in my position as a cisgendered heterosexual male and the position that virtually anyone else in society finds themselves in. He goes on to share a fantastic fantastic piece from the Chronicle of Higher Education, which we will link in both the show post and the tweets this week, um, which he made his students read about the experiences of female professors. So thank you, Steve, for reaching out to us about that and sharing that experience um, as someone, this hit particularly close to home for me as someone who is a female in science and, you know, up until uh, very recently was a female in academia. So, you know, I have had my fair share of that. I have seen it happen around me to others. Um, so I know that this is an issue in academia as well, not just in baseball. So, and I think Maggie can speak to that as well. <laughs> sure can. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, thank you, Steve. We will link that in the um, show post for people to read. So finally, we got an email from Oslo, Norway. So again, going back to the getting emails from all over the world is super cool for us. Yeah, um, a Poto International. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so Nils or Niles, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, um, wrote in to us. Uh, first, he said that while he understands that personal touch often adds to podcasts, sometimes he thinks it takes too long for us to get around to the Mets content, which is mostly what he listens for. We're really sorry. We like to banter sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with sorry, not sorry, because yeah. I'm a talker. That's why I'm here. <laughs> sometimes we talk about bagels. But I I know it's not to everyone's taste. Sorry. There is That's a little sorry. sliding mechanism. If you're listening to this on, you know, traditional, you know, listening mechanisms via iOS apps or Android apps, you can just slide your finger along. And we usually provide, um, this is a good a good point to bring this up. We always provide timestamps in the um, in the show post on amazingavenue.com for when each segment starts and ends. So if you are only interested in hearing about the Mets on a given week and you don't want to hear about the generalized baseball content that we're doing that week, you will get a timestamp for that. If you are a non-Mets fan listening to the podcast or somebody who's just like over the Mets, as I can imagine many of you are, and you don't want to hear about the Mets in a given week and you just want to hear the second half of the show, there will be a timestamp for that too. So we always, always, always try to provide timestamps. Uh, we understand that not everybody has an hour plus to dedicate to podcasting every week, especially when there are so many other great podcasts out there competing for your time. So we totally understand. Um, so that's fine. Um, but he does go on to finish the email in a complimentary fashion, which we really appreciate. He said, keep up the good work. I love your insight, analysis, stories, and general view of the club and players. So thank you so much for writing in all the way from Norway. We really appreciate it. Um, so that concludes our seventh inning stretch for this week. When we get back, we will do a quick discussion of the All-Star Game in general and some questions that we have about it and just our general feelings about the All-Star Game. 
so stay tuned. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Um, so... Our baseball segment this week is um, a little bit of a different flavor, but just, you know, it's the All-Star break, so we figured it's timely to talk about the All-Star game. Um, and speaking of, the National League is losing. Uh, of course they are. What well, else is new? Because Nolan Arenado didn't make a play. Why what? Nolan? Why? I know. That's like why he's here. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know how to feel about that. Bro, that's why you're wrong. Here. No Mets yet, right, Linda? No, Kershaw is in, so that means Jake probably next inning. Okay. All right, we'll make this fast. Make this fast. <laughs> um, so before, speaking of the Mets, um, before we go on to talk about more generalized things about the All-Star game, we just want to reiterate that we are so happy that the Mets have three representatives, three very deserving representatives in the All-Star game this year. Um, Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, um, and uh, Jacob deGrom, all really, really deserving. Obviously, Jake has the track record, and even though he started off his season kind of shaky, if you look at his overall numbers now, he's right up there with the top pitch in the National League again, righted the ship, you know, Jake is just back to being Jake pretty much, which is really, really good. Um, you know, Pete Alonso already showed on the big stage that he can handle it just fine. So really, really thrilled that Pete is getting to show the entire baseball world what he can do. Um, and I'm glad that Jeff McNeil is getting some recognition for what he's done. You know, I think that the players you know, recognize probably more than the fans, someone like Jeff McNeil and appreciate it more, which is why he got elected by the players. You know, it's not easy to sustain a 350-ish batting average over the time span that he has done so. Especially so. in this era of exactly. the way pitching is done. Yeah. And strikeouts yeah. being up. and Because yeah, his on-base percentage, I think, is over 400. That's why he bats leadoff without Brandon Nimmo around. Um, so, yeah. I, you should maybe just... bat leadoff with Brandon Nimmo around. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Throw that out there. But um, anyway. they would if, if Brandon Nimmo's career is okay and he's not completely dead forever, they would make a great one-two punch in whatever order you please at the top of that lineup. Yeah. Um, but Jeff McNeil is a special type of player because he's a throwback type of player. Um, he doesn't strike out. He doesn't walk. He's a contact-oriented hitter, which is a type of hitter that is, you know, for better or for worse. I'm not casting judgment or saying it's like a good development or a bad one. I'm objectively saying that that player is dying in baseball. There aren't too many like Jeff McNeil left out there. So it's, it is it is fun for, you know, him to be able to display his unique in today's game talent um, on the national stage. So I'm very excited for that all-star game happening as we speak. So, 
Um, so generalized uh, all-star game things, we decided to just pose some questions amongst ourselves and see what the three of us think about these things. We did not share our answers with each other ahead of time, so uh, <laughs> we may end up disagreeing on some of this. Who knows? Um, so what do the two of you think of the new voting process as opposed to the old voting process? Do you think it's an Hate improvement? It. Hate it. <laughs> Hate it. I So I'm not crazy about the process in and of itself. Yes. But I will say, I actually think it helps prevent some of the like ridiculous ballot box stuffing that some fan bases will do each year. So yeah, like, I don't think so, it like, did though, because the cut like Albert Amora was in the final three. But but he like, was the in the Cubs final three. Were all in the da, final da, 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 three. But he was in the final three. But he wasn't in the fine. Like he wasn't. Yeah. elected out of that final three. So that's what I, where I think it, it serves actually a really useful purpose and that, you know, Almora was crazily vote you know, at the top of the, the list. But when the whole fan base of a whole of all of baseball gets to vote and their team's guy isn't in their favorite didn't make it then everybody who's left is voting for the actual best player so while the the it was kind of a little backwards and yes like cubs fans just take a step away from the computer for like five seconds um what it actually turned out was pretty good not perfect because there were plenty of good players who just didn't make it into the top three um but like Pete Alonzo. Much, be- Pete, yeah. Yeah. Like, much better than previous years. Much yeah. better than previous years. Where, like, I mean, you know, Pablo Sandoval would not have been, would not have been the starter in 2013 if, if this had been the system. Like, David Wright absolutely would have been elected as a starter from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think it is yeah. an improvement. I think that there's still improvements to be made. Um, yeah. And I don't know what the answer is because you know, I think we talked about this briefly um, a couple weeks ago where Tommy Pham said small market teams are hurt. Yeah, and, and they are. Yeah, and that's absolutely correct. And also apathetic fans. Like, we don't want to be voting Pete while our team is getting slaughtered. Like, there's there was just no excitement there. To, there was no incentive to vote for Pete because we were all mad at the at the team at the time. So apathetic fans, small markets, you're kind of limiting who even gets votes right off the bat. And right. which it showed, like the Cubs were very excited about their team. Fine. And it also goes to show you also, like I know the argument is it's for the fans. So they should get to vote who they want in, but at the same time, is that fair? Like, well, Tampa, not... they're still Tampa Bay fans. They want to see their their guys in there. Well, we can say it's for the fans, but it it has it carries much more weight in other ways now than yeah. it used to. So, like, it determines things like um, arbitration yeah. costs and and that kind of thing. So it's it's not just a show as long as it's being used the way it's being used, which is fine. I mean, it's it's understandable that, that it's being used this way, but like we can't pretend that like it's just this it's just a token at this point. And like, so the best solution that I have heard, although it would certainly have a big impact on the level of fan, you know, of fan engagement 
is to have the the starters selected and then have fans vote for everyone else. Okay. So having some sort of, you know, whether it's it's a combination of like manager voting, player voting, whatever to to find like who are the really best best guys and now okay, we've picked out all the best best guys. Who is your favorite who hasn't gotten in yet? And that I feel like would be would give you better results in terms of um the top getting correct acknowledgement but then you i mean really then the fan voting is much less than it was and that i don't know if it's something that mlb wants yeah 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 i don't know the answer to that like to me yeah i agree i think the fan voting is like disproportionately important i think that like it, it it doesn't make sense to me that the fans are the ones that get to pick all the starters and then the players pick all the and the players and the manager and baseball pick all the reserves. Like to me, it should just be, you know, like say there are I, how many spots are there actually on the all star team? I don't know. 20 spots. A million. Are. They could just make more like 8000 yeah. people are playing this game tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I don't know, a lot of a lot of spots. Take the number of spots that there are, and obviously spots shuffle because, like, players are hurt and then other players get picked as replacements. And I think that that process should be the same. Like, the, the fans shouldn't vote on, like, replacement players. They should just pick them. But, like, say to start off, like, if you have a roster of, like, 20 people, you pick, like, 10 are fan-voted and 10 are picked by, like, half and half, and then it's not necessary, and then the starting lineup is picked by, like, the manager out of, like, that pool of 20 players that were half voted in by fans and half picked by baseball i don't know i think that's a good idea too yeah because like isn't the point of the manager that he makes the lineup isn't that part of like his job um i mean the manager does make the decision of like what pitchers to pitch when because that's essentially entirely controlled by the manager in this version of the all-star game but i think the manager should get a little bit more power over the starting lineup as well somehow or like maybe there can be like what like a top three fan favorites like the top three vote getters have to start or something like that i don't know top three vote getters overall in each league have to start at their respective positions something on the flip side like let it be whatever it is like you know let almora start and center for all i care but then don't let it carry weight outside of it just being a show right Like like treat it more like the Derby where it's not going to determine how much a player gets paid or whether he gets into the hall of fame. Like that's the, the problem is that the, the, the process and the impact don't line up. And if you're not going to change the process, then you got to change the impact. I think it's easier to change the process. Yeah. 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 That is the inherent problem is that they're just misaligned. I agree. Well, and then there's also like the people who people like, have to go that people are always mad about like the marlins have to have somebody so they're kind oh, of they're but i like that yeah i, like I think that that's, that's good. how you end up with some wacky type players yeah <laughs> i think it's good that every team gets a representative i do too yeah yeah um i think that it because because again this is something that's for the fans and yeah, if you're and you claiming, want a reason yeah if you're claiming it's for the fans then you have to have a representative from every team because you can't say it's for the fans and then exclude half the fan bases. That's not bad fair. teams have fans too, and I say yes. that as, as a, a fan team. of a bad team. Right, exactly. Even yeah. though the Mets would have a natural, 
even if even if the Mets weren't required to have a representative, they would have them, I think. Um, yeah, but, you know, got it right. Orioles fans are people, too, guys. <laughs> I, I could not gun to my head a million dollar check on the table in front of me. Tell you who is representing the Orioles in the All-Star game today. I only I know because like, I saw the life depended on it. Maggie, it's John it. Means. <laughs> I, I can I look, Allison, I know the name and that's where it ends. Which is, you know I'm what? Sorry. You know what? And like, it's not actually credit, like small side note, credit to John Means because it's not the, not the token All-Star I expected. Not like, I mean, I expected it like, during the during the process of pick like by the time we got around to like picking who was going to be in the all-star game john means was already having a very good year so i thought it was a distinct possibility that he would be the orioles token all-star but entering the season (laughs) if you asked me who the orioles are all-star would have been i would have been like "Uh, trey mancini probably and trey mancini (laughs) is having a good year but like it, it John Means came out of freaking nowhere. All credit to <laughs> Good him. Good for him. Good for him. Well, Good I think for sh- everybody. Yeah, Hashtag think- the all-star game. Yeah, I think Shane Green is the Tigers. Yep. Yep, mm. sure is. Sure yeah. is. So, I yeah. think the Mets had a... Didn't Daniel Murphy represent them once before yes. he turned yeah, good? Before, before he was Murphy. good. Yeah, he yeah. was their default. Mm-hmm. That was like one of the that more like, about right. token-y all-stars the Mets have had. Um... So by the, like, kind of going back to the conversation about how, like, you know, the process doesn't align with, you know, like, the intent or, like, the, the outcome as far as, like, how much weight the All-Star game is given, do you, do you guys agree with the decision to, like, not have it count anymore for home field advantage for the World Series? Yeah, because that was, it. like, I think somebody pointed it out. It, like, took the fun out of it. Like, you would never see, I forget what year it was, when somebody came up like batting backwards and yeah. like they would kind of like fool around mess around like when tory hunter robbed barry bonds like it was fun yeah and like making it mean something it it, it took the fun out of it and that's not what it's supposed to be and, and jake also, is in yeah Yay! jake he's and facing it's also like, Springer right now oh boy <laughs> it's also kind of an it 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 takes the fun out of it, but like not in a evenly oh, distributed way. Yes. Yay! Um, <laughs> Can Jake strike out the so, side again? <laughs> so you know, if you're an All Star from the Yankees, then you are pretty much always going to be highly incentivized to play like it means something. But if you are not, then then that same urgency isn't there. So when it means something for the postseason, you're just sort of not everybody is playing the, the same game. Yeah, know? yeah. And it's, I think, like, you can, obviously can't have some some postseason meaning that would hold the same for everybody. So it's best to just just ditch the the, the World Series thing altogether. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. It, I agree with that It means well. fun. Let it be fun. Yeah, exactly. let the kids play. Let the ki- hashtag let the kids let play. Let the kids play. And, yeah, by that token, like, you know, 
the the more you make it mean something, then the less it makes sense for every team to have a representative, for example. Mm-hmm. Because then yeah, you're... the Marlins could ruin it for like exactly because you're weakening your team. If you really want to win the All Star game, you're weakening your team by having the lesser teams have to have a representative because then that for every um, token all-star there is a player who's really really good who didn't get in which you know happens and it frustrates people but you know what like I think that it should just be fun and that every fan base should be able to root for their guy even if no. it's just one. Oh, did Jake give up something no 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 <laughs> he got oh. trout this time Ooh, oh yeah, he's so good yeah oh in the innings over he was too good. He was too good. It he was, was too fast. The story of Jacob deGrom. He was, I know, he too was good. He, he just, they, it was so quick. He's just wonderful. <laughs> He's just so good. We're so lucky to get to watch him. And he had to take that. He got his revenge against Trout. And then this is awesome because now everyone else also gets to watch him for a day. I like good. Pete, too. Everybody gets to appreciate our polar bear like we do. Someday Although when uh, hate him, but... when a yeah, book he is, is like persona non grata right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so not fair. He doesn't it's deserve it. Pete, Pete Alonso is Cleveland's Peter O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> They're both named Pete. <laughs> no, um, don't compare them. <laughs> don't compare them. <laughs> I know, I know. Peter O'Brien is a monster who yeah, does not deserve obviously. to walk among men. Not the same. Um, <laughs> Just if, if anybody is not great on um, sarcasm, I, I definitely don't really think Peter Bryan is a monster, but he Disclaimer. might be. Disclaimer. We don't know. We don't know. Um, I don't this know. This podcast does not have an official stance on whether Peter O'Brien is or is not a monster. Who <laughs> should or should not be walking among men? <laughs> it's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> When speaking of David Wright tangentially, when a book is written about Jacob deGrom, like a book is being written soon about David Wright, it will be called He Was Too Good, the Jacob (laughs) deGrom story. (laughs) He was just too good. Um, So the last thing I kind of want to cover about the All-Star game is so we talk about how I think we're all on the same page about how we swing the pendulum more toward you know, having fun and less toward it meaning a lot and being like a super competitive, intense game. It should be more about the fun. But the downside, because, you know, it's a double-edged sword in both directions. The downside, what you're giving up when you make the game more hype, more lighthearted, more fun, um, count for less, is that sometimes the super exciting players that you want to see in it don't participate. Um, either because they have an injury and they don't want to risk the rest of their season, which is on the more understandable spectrum of things. Um, Or they just decide, you know, I'm not messing with, you know, if you're especially pitchers, this comes up a lot with pitchers, like they don't want to change around their rotation for the all-star game. So if a guy pitches the day, the last day before the all-star break and the team decides we don't want to rejigger our rotation because our ace is participating in the all-star game because we're competing for a playoff spot, then that guy doesn't participate. Um, And I think that that is like the one drawback of the all-star game meaningless is that there's less of an incentive for those guys to participate. And then that means that you don't always see the best players. So what do you guys think of that? So I think it's, I think it's definitely true, but I think the drawback, has a little bit of a positive spin in and of itself, which is that um, what that that combined with the pay structure of MLB means is that the players who are highly incentivized to participate 
are the young ones, are the new faces. Mm, yeah. And that to me is really exciting. Like if I, I would love for all of the best players across the board to participate, but if it means that we're getting more Pete Alonzo and less Bryce Harper, not that I, I mean, I, my secret shame is that I like Bryce Harper, but like, like I've seen plenty of him in all-star games. I want everybody to be seeing Pete Alonzo. So like, right. If, if I have to choose between all of the forever best and getting to see some new exciting talent, then I would go with the young talent. It's again, it's, it's just from a fun perspective. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But my issue is with the all-star game too, is, I mean, I might've totally been ruined by the NHL all-star game because they had different events to showcase all their players. Like the goalies get their own, they have like a skills competition. They have a fastest skater competition, which Kendall Coyne participated in this year, which was amazing. And she didn't come in last, which was also amazing. So like, like Jake pitched one inning. What if he was our only all-star? That was it. That was all, the only appearance of our all-star. And like, what if you don't have somebody in the home run derby? What if your all-star doesn't get in the game? Like, there should be something that showcases why these guys are here and what skills they do have and what makes them so special. And I think MLB needs to do a better job at that. I don't know what the answer is. Like, I don't know. Like, have... when the problem is they're too worried about injuries. Like, you can't have, like, I don't know. Well, that's the drawback of having yeah. it when you have it. But yeah. there's not really, you know, it's... There's not really a Pro Bowl type. I mean, arguably the Pro Bowl shouldn't be when the Pro Bowl is either. No, because nobody um, cares. Right. So it's it's definitely... But I, I would love to see more skills competitions. Yes. I don't know what it would look like. The KBO-style um, bunting competition? Bunting Did you guys see that? That would be amazing. Were they bunt? And it would be fun to see, like, a sprint yes, off a between... Yes, runner. But yes. that also, like, I know that every player would be thinking, like, but my hammies. So yes. it's, it's tough. But I really... That, I think, would be so exciting. I would love to add more skills. I want to see like, Ahmed Rosario ma- max it out first to third and win that skills oh, competition yeah. well because even like in in hockey what they did was for the goalie competition it was like your save streak so Henrik Lundqvist won and what they did was have everybody from his division take a shot against him and whoever made the most saves like and then who like a goalie from another division would face everybody in his division. So it also kind of kept the rivalries going to create the intrigue around it. And so, like, I don't know, have, like, Jacob DeGrom pitch to Ronald Acuna for, like, the last round in the home run derby or something. Or, like, the like he Jacob DeGrom gets three pitches to see if he can strike out. And if he hits a home run, it's a bonus or something. But, again, a pitcher would be like, I, I can't do this. I might get hurt. So, yeah, I think the pitchers are always going to be weird. I, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that there will never be any kind of skills competition that would no. attract any good pitchers just because they are so delicate. But yeah, they're on their routine or, yeah. But I would love to, like, again, sprinting drills. Um, some You could set something up with, like, with 
fielding. I, I don't know. Science. Make it happen. Yeah, yeah, you could do like like I want to see Arenado fielding balls. Like yeah, like the bare sh- hand slow yeah. roller play. Like who's the best at that? And like not just a like I think that you could do something akin to that bunting competition, but make it more exciting than that. Like set up targets around the field mm-hmm. and like not just a home run derby. Like see how many you can hit it out. Although I'd still like to keep the home run derby and have the power guys there, but have the guys like Jeff McNeil that have incredible mm-hmm. bat control and are more like singles hitters who hit three. 50 like have guys like Jeff McNeil participate in a skills competition where they set up targets around the field and they throw batting practice to them and you have to clonk each target one time or something like that to all fields. yeah that would be super fun yeah I think that would be really fun yeah one at bat in an all-star game is not showcasing your stars it's just not so more skills competitions would be super fun it's just hard to envision how they would do it it it, it would be really fun um so one last uh, thing I want to talk about is not the All-Star Game itself, but back to the Home Run Derby for a second. Um, because obviously this year's Home Run Derby was more exciting than any Home Run Derby I can think of in previous years. And part of that was because there were just so many more home runs hit in this Home Run Derby. I remember going in, the announcers were saying like, like one announcer said to the other, like, what do you think's a good like first round number? What do you think these guys should be aiming for? He was like, well, years past around 12 or 13 should be like nah. a good number to advance. <laughs> that was blown out Smash of the goddamn <laughs> water. Like <laughs> if you had 12, you were eliminated in the first yeah, round. Yeah, I think Carlos Santana had 13. Yeah, and he was like eliminated right away by Pete I think Alonso. he was the lowest, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think Chapman had something around there, like maybe 14 or 15, and he was just eliminated. Like you had to hit 20 to advance basically um, in the first round it was wild um and obviously you know i a big component of that is the juice baseballs like it was so obvious like mm. so when acutely they, obvious when they quietly go in to replace all the juiced baseballs with unjuiced ones to try to pretend <laughs> like they never knew about this to begin with because that's what's going to happen i really hope they put aside like ten thousand or however many future future games were future derbies worth they will need just take a big old bat of the juice balls and only ever use the juice balls for the home run derby if they can juice them extra i don't know what that would involve (laughs) but just juice the shit out of that ball i want the next one to go 550 feet that's what this is all about right yeah it's about extremes yeah, to be honest, I don't really watch Home Run Derby because I find it boring. But I only watched this year because, one, Pete was in it, and I love Pete. And number two, because I knew the balls were juiced, and I'm like, how far are these bad boys going? Well, yeah, <laughs> Very I'm far. Killing my, I'm killing my um, my walk-off win. But, like, yeah, I'm, I will watch, like, usually the first round, and then I sort of drift away. Um, I was absolutely riveted this whole... The, yeah. the whole night um and i watched the entire thing and it was amazing and i woke up my neighbors yep yep <laughs> i will say like i have been you know an extreme because they're you know it's when you talk about the baseballs being juiced like i don't think that you can say that it's objectively bad or objectively good that the balls are juiced it's all about what type of fan you are and what style of game you prefer because we have had differences even in the amazing avenue slack among us about what type of game is preferred there are definitely folks in the amazing avenue slack who i mean maybe they think that i can't speak for them but maybe they think this version is like out of hand but like they didn't like like 2014 for example a year when offense was extremely down 
opponent. Every game was a pitcher's duel. I, on the other hand, that's the type of baseball I prefer. I actually prefer pitcher's duels to, like, slugfests. For real baseball, me as well. For the home run derby, nope. Exactly, but the home run derby is not real baseball. It's a skills competition, so juice the shit out of the baseballs for the home run derby exclusively. I am all on board with that. Do it. But you're also kind of watering down the specialness of a home run. Like, every game is a home run derby. Yeah, I agree. And that's like Danny Echevarria like could enter the home run derby. See, I thought that too. And then the actual home run derby happened with the juice <laughs> balls. I was like, this is awesome. This is at another level. Well, I mean, the the like with the home run derby with the juice balls. Yes, a Denny Echevarria could enter the home run derby and maybe hit ten, like a respectable number for a previous home run derby. But he's still going to get blown out of the water by Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting thirty. So to me, it doesn't matter. Like it, they're still on a relatively even. They're on an even playing field still because the balls are used for everyone. Right. So like, yeah, the it's just going to elevate the overall number of home runs hit, which is what they we juice them extra for Jerry's familia. <laughs> oh, boy. Just have and Jerry's familia throw the home run derby. Um, <laughs> well, Acuna was listening to Danza Kuduro, probably <laughs> to get him in the mindset of being against familia. <laughs> I mean, it's a good choice because it's a good, it good song. Uh, either way. Um, but I do like that in addition to obviously the increased excitement by the both the format, which I think is better this year than in years past and that and set up the epic semifinal between Vlad and Jock Peterson. Um, in addition to that, I think that the, this home run derby was more exciting than years past because the players, I think, seem to be taking it more seriously. And they mm-hmm. commented on this on the broadcast, and I agree with them. And I think it's some combination of, and the broadcasters mentioned both these factors, I think it's some combination of the prize money being an incentive, especially for the young players, because for Pete Alonso, who won, yep. it oh, it doubled his salary more than that. It over doubled his salary, um, the prize money. It actually, it doubled his lifetime earnings, I think. In Major League Baseball. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because oh he, did, he also, he wasn't, I mean, his bonus was better bonus. than many, but like not a, yeah. not a big honking one. I think he got like yeah, a $900,000 like yeah. yeah. bonus, which is, you know, a bonus. Like, it's nice. Like, you know, that's still like the, the, the players that, the players that are signed, that are drafted that get bonuses in the first place that are worth like anything are, you know, the, t- the one percenters, so to speak of the draft, <laughs> but that's not the crazy bonus that, you know, that many of the Mets who were drafted, drafted this year got. It's not what Brett Beatty got. So no. And I think they said, um, uh, Vlad Guerrero's was over 3 million, his bonus. Right. Right. And that, that was the, you know, international, which is a little different, but yeah. But um, yeah. But still, yeah, so Pete's was not, you know, it was a bonus. It was a nice bonus, but it wasn't a substantial bonus. And so this this prize, you know, after you t- take taxes out and everything, this prize, like, doubled his earnings, total earnings playing baseball. So that's pretty, that's something. So the players are both motivated by that, especially the young players. And, you know, there is just a general culture shift in the game. And this doesn't just have to do with the juiced baseball. It has to do with, you know, the player's approach at the plate, the the emphasis on launch angle, um, on exit velocity. There is a culture shift in the game that now emphasizes the home run, for better or for worse. And so I think that players are just seeing the home run derby as a more valuable showcase of that skill, which is now more important in baseball than it has ever been. 
Well, we did see a lot of young guys in it this year. Like two rookies were in the Super were exciting, in the finals. Right? Yeah, and that's awesome. And not to keep gushing about Pete, but for him to take a timeout just to get the crowd into it. <laughs> so good. So oh, good. I loved it. I loved that he did that. Like, and that's yeah. what you want. You want personalities on a grand stage. And Acuna Jr. saying, like, going up to the mic and saying, like. Vladito and me are going to be in the finals like two young guys like you know mm-hmm. like we're going to be in the finals we're going to do it like even though he was saying that it was going to be him and Vlad and not me I still loved it because I was like yeah that's the type of swagger you want these young mm-hmm. players these 20 year olds are out here being like yeah we're the best we're the best there is at this and I loved it I well, loved it I think you made the good point too like how a lot of that ties into the u.s women's soccer team like they have confidence and swagger and that's absolutely okay yep yep and that i that's a perfect bridge to my walk-off win so i guess we can (laughs) i guess shall we we? transition to that now um so yeah my walk-off win for this week um is the u.s women's national team winning their fourth world cup oh my god usa 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 (laughs) it's so funny i think i posted i posted this on amazing avenue slack but it was like um so they handed out so i went to so this all ties in with my walk-off win, the whole excitement of the whole day. So um, when I go to Cape Cod every year um, with my family, I have a really close friend that lives in Boston. And so I always go to visit him because I don't get to go to visit him that often because Baltimore is pretty far from Boston. But when I'm already in Cape Cod, which is only an hour away, I usually take a day trip while I'm at the beach to go visit him. So this year we decided to do our day trip on the day of the final and we went to City Hall Plaza in Boston and it's just like this wide open area like in front of City Hall like a big square and they put a giant screen up outdoors and like everybody congregated and it was such a great atmosphere so not only was like it an awesome game I was so excited it was such a fun atmosphere to watch it in and I think I posted an amazing avenue slack like (laughs) me every other day of the year eh America kind of sucks, like not feeling super patriotic. Me on the day of the U.S. Women's National Team being in the final, and it was like a selfie of me wearing like my U.S. Women's National Team jersey and like sunglasses that were painted with the American flag. Like the most American I will ever feel is when the U.S. Women's National Team is playing in the World Cup final. I feel that except for the Olympics, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. I am right there with you with the Olympics. For sure. I also get super into the Olympics as well. I enjoy both the winter and the summer mostly the summer but both i really like a little bit better but i do both yeah 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 and i mean obviously the the, the the u.s women's national team plays in the olympics too so oh yes that's right (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah super super great i like this team i can't even emphasize enough how much this soccer team means to me and means to so many people in this country means to so many young women in this country. Like I see so many parallels between the 1999 team and what they meant for me as a young girl growing up playing soccer. Like that team made me feel like I could do anything. That team made me feel like any of my dreams were possible. And that's what this team is doing now for a whole new generation of young girls. And every time I think about it, it just makes me super emotional and If anything else, it's even better for them this time around because you have role models like Megan Rapinoe, who is unabashedly herself and is out and proud and and her showing the world that we are a diverse team. 
we are a proud team and this is who we are and we're not sorry. And it's just like so great. <laughs> it gives me so much life, you guys. And they're just the best in the world. And they're, they're athletes think, at the peak of their powers just killing it. What I think like, so youth soccer is one of the fastest growing sports there is now. And I yep. think they can take advantage of this you know, and how inspiring they are. Like, like you said, the 99 team did that for a generation. And now these, these ladies can do it for a whole nother generation. Yep. Yep. 20 years later. It's awesome. And they have four world cups now and they've never finished worse than third place. Pay the women equally pay them more. They They outdraw the men. They draw more (laughs) revenue than the men. This world cup final was watched by more people in America than the men's world cup final was from now on it's called the world cup and the men's world cup (laughs) that's it just is because this team is so dominant and it's filled with so many players that are so likable and yeah so I said this like I, I drew the parallel between Pete winning the home run derby and the U.S. women's national team winning the world cup like both were responded to by like people saying that they were too excited, that they were too arrogant. And it's like, you know what? Don't let anyone dim your star. Don't let anyone tell you that you shouldn't be proud of what you've accomplished because it took them, both of them, a hell of a lot of work to get where they are now. And they should celebrate and they should be joyful and they shouldn't have to apologize for it. And I think that, you know, the U.S. Women's National Team gave a perfect example to you know, young women everywhere to take up space and to be unabashedly joyful about your accomplishments and say, I'm here, I'm great, and I'm not sorry about it. And it just makes me so happy. <laughs> like, I want to be them when I grow up. <laughs> I know, right? They're just so badass. So, a lot of them are younger than me, and I want to be them when I grow exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> um, Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? My walk-off win was... Um... I had to take some time off because I had too much vacation time and I was kind of forced to start using some of it. Oh no, how awful. (laughs) (laughs) So I was forced to take last week off and then my cousins called and said, hey, we're down the shore. Do you want to come down? I was like, oh, what a coincidence. I'm off this week. So I went down to the shore, which is where I usually go every year. But this time it was in July. I usually go in August, which totally threw me off. But it was great. I was in the heart of Philly territory. All my cousins are Phillies fans because my mom is from Philadelphia. But <laughs> we yeah, nobody's we, perfect. Yeah, nobody's perfect. We down still the Jersey got Shore is always Phillies hats everywhere. It's awful. Oh, oh my God! They had the Bryce Harper stuff was yeah. everywhere. Oof. Ugh, you know whatever. Uh, yeah, I was like, I can't even bring my Mets stuff this oh, year. Oh, I wear my Met, I wear my Mets stuff all the time. I don't care. <laughs> I, no I was like, I can't point. even wear my giant stuff. That used to be my one thing, and they even took that from me. But, you know, even, you know, I never get to see my cousins very much because a couple of them live in California, and um, a couple one lives up in Boston now. So this is the first time I got to see all of them together in a really long time, which was really nice, and it was just totally unexpected. It was a nice surprise, and I was glad I was able to do it. And when USA beat England... I, I was following on Twitter on the beach. I yelled USA across the pond. Hell yeah. <laughs> to make sure England heard that across the pond on sure the beach. Did. <laughs> I hope Piers so, Morgan heard it. Yeah. Asshole. 
I hope the wind like drifted it in his direction because I was I was still into it even though I was roasting on the beach but I was very happy and I'm happy they won and I was also happy the Mets won because they were playing the Yankees that day too. yeah right <laughs> Maggie what is your walk-off win for this week so my walk-off win shockingly um is is the home run derby the <gasps> whole thing um like I said, Everything I usually have it. been one to watch, like, just the start of it, maybe, like, the first four or five batters, whatever. But um, Vlad's showing from the start. And, of course, the promise of Pete got kept me going. And that's just the whole show was really fantastic. It was my first time seeing the new format. And it was also my first time watching the ESPN2 StatCast um, version, which was wonderful with some really good commentators. Um and yeah, and it just like it. I had so much fun. I like woke people up in my building right around the time of the 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 second tiebreaker um, in round two, and it was yeah, it was just just a fun, relaxed baseball night where nothing really mattered, and I just I want more of that more. But 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 there couldn't be more. If there was more, then it wouldn't be the same. So it has to be just this, just as it is. Um, and I'm just really glad that the kids went to sleep on time. That's <laughs> that's basically what got me there. So yay! Thank you, Home Run Derby. Thank you, Pete Alonzo. Thank you, Vlad and Jock and the whole crew. Um, thank you, Pete's cousin, for not sucking moderately more than you did. Yay! That's what I got. Fantastic home run derby all around. And now we are in the midst of a very good all-star game because Jake already pitched and he pitched beautifully. So do you wanna know the uh the synopsis of his of I his do. inning? Okay. Oh and Pete's in. Oh Pete's in. Oh yeah, here comes Pete. Um Jacob DeGrom, this is from Tim Healy, pitched a scoreless third inning. George Springer struck out swinging. DJ LeMahieu was sent a bouncer back to DeGrom for a ground out. Mike Trout, who homered off DeGrom in last year's All-Star game, popped out to first. He threw seven pitches. <laughs> yeah, baby. That's he our boy. Good. That's our boy. That's our boy. Go Jake. Go National yeah. League. And he faced the top of the order. These were, you know, the the the, the best top. of the best. Yeah, the best of the best. All righty. Um, so that does it for this week. Um, you can join us again in your feeds next week. I think we're having a special switcheroo edition. We'll see. Um, there's been talk about switching co-hosts between the Amazing Avenue audio suite of shows. So that might happen next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, but in the meantime... You can go to AmazingAvenue.com, read all of our fantastic content. We've got all the aftermath of Pete's Home Run Derby win. We've got all-star coverage happening. We've got a bunch of articles going on, like assessing, you know, where the Mets are right now, you know, where we stand, what about our players and things like that. So look out for that. Um, you can email the show if you want to be featured on one of these seventh inning stretch segments. Keep emailing us. The email is aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us. We are at a pod of their own on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Linda is at Linda Surovich. And Maggie is at Maggie162. So you can follow all of us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter. Follow Amazing Avenue on all the social medias. Facebook, Instagram, and 
Twitter at Amazing Avenue. Um, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, rate and review the show. It really, really helps other people find it. Um, original music for this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in time.